Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to the Level Up Podcast. I've got my business partner and a great age and entrepreneur, Greg Harrelson. How are you, Greg? Good to see you again. I'm doing good. Doing good, man. Excited. Uh, I'm busy. It's a busy year. We got a busy guest, so I'm excited to be here. It's going to be fun today. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. So we have got uh, Mr. Kevin Kaufman with us. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Really good. Really good. Glad to have you. And I know you are in um, basically Phoenix in the Tempe market right now. Yeah. And your your company, Group 4610, the first thing we've got to get out of the way is tell us what Group 4610 <laughs> is and then bring everybody up to speed who doesn't know you a little bit about what you do in your business. All right. I'm going to try to give you the short version of the long story, which is simply if you want to really boil it down, it's if you've ever read, and I'm sure you have, Stephen Covey's Habits, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of them yeah. is begin or think with the end in mind. Um, I started my career, you and I were talking offline a little bit um, in short sales, and we really had to look at what was happening down the road uh, in order to set yourself up for success with the short sales. And that was kind of where we built our business originally. And so thinking with the end of mind was something that always stuck out. A friend of ours had gone to some sort of training and uh, they had someone associated group 46 or uh, Isaiah 4610 with begin with the with that lesson from the book steps uh, from Stephen Covey. And that just begin within mine stuck out to us. And truthfully, I just didn't want my name on the sign and neither did my business partner. And uh, I looked at it one day, I said, we should probably think of a team name then. And so about 24 hours later, it just hit me and said, what about group 4610? And we just said, yeah, that that fits. I like it. Yeah, I like yeah, it for I the- too. For the for the story behind it, but more importantly, for that just is such a good lesson that it doesn't matter what the sign says; it's only going to matter the people that you've got behind it. So that's yeah. uh, that's that's an interesting approach. So, so bring us up to speed. I know that um, you know you you and I started at the same time in two thousand seven in the business. So you've seen you know, we've almost come full circle in a crazy market that we're in right now. Um, I can tell just looking at your website and, and just kind of knowing a little bit about you from there. Um, it looks like you guys have fun. And it looks like you guys, have, you know, you kind of take a little bit of the, uh, you know, try to try to have a good time while you're while you're building your business, and you really have. So, tell us what what does that team look like that you that you have now? Yeah, so you know, it's definitely uh, evolved over the years, and we've we've had to. I guess, reinvent ourselves. If you, uh, to, to use that words, I mentioned kind of really being in the short sale game uh, early on. And that was truthfully, we, I'm just, I know you, I know that you're familiar with the millionaire real estate agent book. We were really, if you go backwards to like 2009, 2010 and Fred and I is my business partner started working together in February of 08. So we really, by February or middle of 09, we really looked like your traditional MREA team, except all of our listings were short sales. And when I say all, I mean like 99 out of 100. We're, we're always short sales for the first few years. And then, of course, that changed and we had to adapt and shift. And we then went from that kind of specialist model to more of what I would call the sales agent model. Um, I've got a good friend and, and uh, named Ben Kenny, who I'm sure you guys know as well, mm-hmm. who really helped me a lot in kind of reimagining our businesses. I really spent the time and Fred and I spent the time to go, what, what 
what kind of business do we want? What do we want it to look like? And that kind of helped us shift into away from the specialist uh, type of business and into more of what I call the sales agent. And then over time, we eventually got into expansion and we still do operate in um, a couple other markets with, with a few agents. However, the vast majority of our business is here in the Phoenix area where we, we truthfully, we look like a small brokerage. We've got a core group of agents that do the vast majority of the heavy lifting. And then we've got a few other agents on the team that, you know, probably make up the right, you know, 80, 20, no different than any other brokerage or, or team you'd ever see. And, uh, we're fortunate. We've put a lot of time and effort into this and, um, you know, we, I probably am in the business for about an hour or so a week now. And my business partner is probably in probably a little closer to four four hours a week. And that obviously is, that's from a standpoint of, we just have decided as we started building our team and our systems, we, we knew we really needed to design the business around the way we wanted to interact with it. And so that's kind of, we're probably about 25 agents total, including staff. And, um, um, that's a quick overview. I think we did about 310 units last year, maybe 105, 110 million in volume. Uh, we've certainly done more in the past, but we've we've had other focuses that are a little more pressing, but we still love this business and uh, really enjoy it probably now more than ever, actually. That's some solid stuff. So, you, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of as as a listener, you know, from the audience perspective is, you know, you didn't get here overnight, right? Um, you probably made a good many good decisions, but I bet you made some more bad decisions. <laughs> well, I started I guess laughing. I'm speak- that was a I'm nervous laugh. Myself, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm kind of thinking about myself. I'm really not even talking to you. I'm like, you know what? I made a lot of good decisions, but boy, have I lot made a lot more bad decisions. You know, but you know, I think a lot of real estate agents or teams um, in today's market, there's a lot of people that are doing very well, and I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, this might be my time to make my move. And like go from solo agent to team or go from team um, to uh, to kind of like business owner and uh, and business owner doesn't have to mean uh, you own the brokerage, don't own the brokerage business owner could be um, just the owner in your mind. Right. Like that's how you're approaching this. So. Um, you know, if we're talking to those and those audience and the audience is listening for, hey, gosh, you know, how can I kind of like throw my hat on the other side of the fence and crawl over there or climb over that fence and get to the other side? What are some of the things that maybe we need to be thinking about right now if we want to kind of go from team to business owner or even solo to team? That's kind of a broad question, um, but maybe some of the first steps for people that are thinking about going in that direction. You know, that, that's a great question. And it's something I, I think about a lot because I find myself probably spending more time talking some of my friends out of it than I do helping them do it um, from a standpoint of, yeah. I think the very first step is you've got to ask is why, like, why do I want to go from maybe, maybe I'm at solo agent. I want to start to build a team or maybe I've got a team and I want to go to the business owner, as you mentioned, first thing is why, what am I, what am I looking to get out of it? What do I, what do I hope to gain from that? What is it that I don't have that I currently want? And then something I alluded to a few minutes ago, which I think is really important in my language that I use is what is the relationship I want to have with my business? Meaning how do I want to, how do I interact with it daily during or whatever my rhythm is when in my working hours, what do I want that to be like? Because once you can answer those questions, I think then you can start to design 
um, what that business is going to look like and what that change or move over to the next level might might look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, you, you started off with, um, you know, a lot of times you have people ask you this question and you try to talk them out of it. So what is some of the what's some of the inspiration or, or, or experiences that you have that that your first reaction may be to, hey, you know what, really think hard about this. Um, you know, because what you just said there, if I'm making the decision, okay, great. If you've made the decision, then do this. But what are some of what are some of the challenging questions or concerns that you see that you'd really want to challenge somebody as to whether or not they're right for that or whether or not that's the right move for them? So one of the things I cool, kind of conversations that always comes back is again after you get past the why, um, I start to think about, well, do you want to lead people? Are you willing to um, are you actually willing to lead other people? Because that's a, I mean, if you, in my opinion, if you're going to go hire someone and then take on that, that, that's a big responsibility. So are you really willing to take on what that means? And then if you are, are you willing to get as good at that as you are at generating business? Because if you're at that point, you're probably good at generating business and you're going to have to get equally good at that new skill of actually finding talent to come and work with you. So you've got to devote, you've got to be a beginner all over again, mm -hmm. and you're going to go backwards in income. Like if you're going to turn it into a business anyways, maybe not from solo agent to what I'll call team, but if you're going to go from team where you're at least in production or whatever, to I'm going to run it more like a business and I'm going to start to bring other people into the fold and guarantee salaries and things like that and really go after it you're going to take a step back in income most likely. And mm -hmm. so are you willing to do that? And then are you willing to deal with just the problems of leadership? And I don't love that word leadership. I think it gets so overused in our, in our business, but the reality is, is like you do, it's a different set of problems dealing with people that are looking to you as their leader versus dealing with a consumer who is looking for you to help them get the most money for their home. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's not bad, good, or different, but it, is, or, but it is a different problem. So you've got to decide which one of those are you willing to deal with? And do you really want to deal with both for a while? Cause you will be dealing with both for a while. If you are going to ever make the transition fully over to what I would call the business owner versus an operator. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced this and Brendan, maybe you have a little bit, but you mentioned step back in income and that's not a bad thing, right? No, it, not yeah, it's not a bad thing, but it, but it, but it is a, a kind of a, a reality. Right. And I always look at it like this. It's like, okay, I'm doing great. Now I'm going to actually, if we're measuring by money, let's not think about anything else right now, but we're just measuring by money. I'm making some really good money to now I'm going to let go of some of that money and I'm probably going to go through a period of less money while I reinvent myself. Yeah. Then I'm making less money and I'm figuring out the new thing for me. Uh, and, and then it's after that and more time that I then start making more money. But that gap, I see a lot of people say, okay, I'm willing to make less money. And then they make less money and they start getting in the formulation phase and they get stuck. Yeah. They get stuck of like, okay, I don't want to do this, but I'm not sure exactly where I'm going. 
I'm willing to make the sacrifice, but then they get stuck and they don't make decisions or they get, uh, you know, just analyze, analyze and analyze and never execute. And they never see that additional opportunity. Have you seen people go through that process Con yourself? Constantly. It's one of the reasons why I will mostly try to talk people out of doing it because I want to test where they're at because when it does get hard and it will get hard, not just financially, it'll get hard. And when you're making less money and it's hard, that's like two punches to the face at once. Yeah. Um, most people yeah. don't want to go through that. Even us, uh, industry full of type A, mostly driven entrepreneurial people that for the most part want to be their own boss. Even us as an industry, we get punched in the face like that. We want to go backwards. Like that's our natural tendency. And so you've got to kind of have the wherewithal and really the determination to get past that kind of real sloggy part. I mean, I remember my business partner and I having a very like direct conversation of, Hey, if we're going to do what we think we're, what we think we can do, it's probably two years of like making less money. We're like, we're probably not going to make more than at the time it was like 150 each. Like we're probably not taking home more than 150 each for the next two years and maybe three. But if we, if we ever want to get way past where we're at now, are we committed? Are we okay with that? And don't get me wrong. No one feels bad for anybody making 150. Who's taking home hundred. That that's good money. You're not clipping coupons at that point, but it's also not nobody like gets into real estate and then thinks so like, I like that's the pinnacle. Cause it's not, you know? And so we had that very specific conversation and we, we made a gradual or not a gradual, but we made a very direct decision to go, we're investing everything over, over and above this into people and systems and, you need education ourselves, you name it. And um, it's a hard line. It's a hard area to get past. And without good coaching and good environment, it's it's nearly impossible. And, I think and, one of, and, go ahead, Brendan. I was just going to say, I think one of the, you know, it's for somebody that's listening to this right now, or maybe multiple people that are listening to this and either have gone through it or they're considering, is this what I want to do? That conver that real conversation that Kevin would have with somebody you need to have with yourself too, because most people, yeah. I think their initial reaction or their initial thought of I'm going to go from individual agent to a team or team to broker or owner is I want to stop doing some of this stuff that I don't like doing anymore. And if I have more people around me that will do that, then I'll be able to actually, um, you know, use my time doing something else and still make the same money, which is a polar opposite of what you're explaining. That step backwards is there. Then you throw in the fact that most people, I don't think most people like to manage people. And so when you throw in, you're going to go backwards and do something that you really probably don't like and aren't a good fit with. People don't like to sign up for that stuff in general. So I think that's a, it's just a huge, huge point to be honest with really, why are you doing that? I think that's a, a great, a great initial step finding out the why. Another thing I'll, I'll add on to that, if, if you'll allow me, is, you know, I'll often hear from people who already have a team or some semblance of a team, and they'll complain about the agent's habits or lack thereof, or production or lack thereof on their team. And one of the things I always try to remind them is like, you know, that's when you say you want to go to like a really big team and get leveraged out. So you are so far removed from, from the living room, as far removed as I am or more from the living room. Uh, meaning actually going on listing appointments, like you've got to figure out how to make money, how to be profitable if all of your agents are at that level. So take your lowest producing, lowest habit, like and if you can figure out a way for your business to operate well 
with whatever that low on, on your totem pole is, then, then you're going to be okay. But if you can't figure that piece out, just, just pack it in now, go back to a smaller team or, or change your business model. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to, what comes with, and you guys probably know this now too, over time, you know, I look at the agents on our team now, we are so lucky. We are surrounded with some of the best agents that have been with us for our number one agent has been with us for eight years and she is amazing. And we've got so many of our other, our brother really well producing agents. They've all been with us for three, four, five, six years as well. And so over time, you start to build up this longevity in these really talented people. And it's really hard to get there, especially in the beginning, especially when you don't know how to hire and you start trying to hire or slash recruit to your team. And you're not real sure what your model is as a team. It's one thing I think a lot of us go, um, hey, I'm a cold caller, a prospector, or I'm a farmer, or, you know, for like for me, I'm an internet guy and a referral guy. So therefore, everybody I ever hire has to be that person too. That's really easy to get into that mindset. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I know what for me, what I determined is I didn't want to manage to that. I wanted to manage to activities and expectations that were not about you being a clone of me. And it was okay if you wanted to be a clone of me. I could teach you how to do that. And one of the best things about our business is there's like a thousand different ways to succeed, right? And so you don't have to do it the same way I did, but here's how I did. And here's I, either way, all the principles are the same. Yeah, that's good. That's some good stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to make sure we take some time. Listen, I, I know that you are, um, you're just a master at in, internet leads. And, um, and what I didn't know is that you also really, really built a darn good business off of referrals. So you must be doing something right with building a database, nurturing, communicating, creating experiences for your database, whatever you're doing. Can you just kind of share with us maybe um, a little bit about how you're supporting your, your operations with lead flow online or internet lead flow. And then we talked a, a moment ago about, uh, before we got onto recording, about how you then transition and build that database and you create tons of referrals, not only from those internet leads, but your your sphere itself. But on the internet uh, lead front, you know, everyone seems to be in the game of, oh, we can all get leads. But um, you, you, you seem to be executing, getting an ROI, Tell us a little about what you're up to there. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, yeah, it's like getting the lead is no longer the trick. I mean, it hasn't been for a long time, but now I think finally people realize that um, that that's no longer the hard part. And actually, Greg, shout out to you. You don't, you don't know this, or, or at least I don't, I don't know that you know this, but oh man, back in 2014, we were using Infusionsoft and we bought your follow-up plan and just, okay, that was it, man. Like when I was still in production, that was it. Like we yeah. just, we hammered on that. Right. So, so number one, I've always been a big fan of online leads still am today. And the reason why I like them so much is because there's actually less competition, even though everybody buys internet leads, nobody actually follows up on them. And what I know, and I'm sure what you know, is that the real return on those isn't immediate. It's not the, you know, it's not the 3% of those that buy in the next 90 days or sell in the next 90 days. It's the first part of it is people that do business in the next 18 months that allow you to build that relationship with them to where they actually become part of that other big core of my business, which is our referrals from our past clients, sphere of influence and, and people like that. So to me, I've always been a big believer and it doesn't matter where the lead comes from. Right. Um, That said, we're, we're super happy users. uh, happy to use any uh, naming of the tools if you'd like or not. 
but you know, we've tried every different company out there, but I believe a lead is a lead. Um, you can pay for a, a, you know, a little bit less for topper, you know, higher on the funnel and a little bit more for lower the funnel. Uh, but that's not the game. The game is how do you convert them? And then most importantly, you know, we were talking offline. I was, one of the things I was talking about was it was two years ago this month. Uh, I guess technically it's probably two years ago last month. I just decided that my sphere of influence was just, it was a mess. I, I did what I call, I declared bankruptcy on my mm -hmm. sphere of influence. And I just kind of looked at my business partner and I said, you know, at that time we'd been in business together for 11 years and I, I don't know, probably sold four or 5,000 homes in that time. And I just said, uh, dude, we've, we've sold too many homes to not have 100, 150 deals just literally come to us every month. And I know that we can do this without, um, without us having to really do a whole lot. If we just treat these people the way they can be treated, we can automate most of it. And I put together a place, uh, put put together a plan of action that it's cut by land, sea, and air is like what I like to call it. So by snail mail, by email, by social, you name it. So no matter where these people go, they're always going to be reminded of us. And then of course, the telephone and uh, prior to 2020 in-person events, and, and hopefully again now in 2021 in-person events again uh, for those people because they just continue to feed our business time and time again. And then for those kind of those top level, if you will, our A, our A clients or our A sphere, um, you know, kind of like quarterly gifts and touches that way as well too. Man, you're, you're, you're definitely speaking my language here. And uh, I, I mean, you are saying some good things and I, I want to, I almost want to just slow it down for a minute because I want to make sure that people can really grasp some of the, the the knowledge that you just shared. I'm really curious as to what your 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 reaction to this question is, meaning what your answer will be. Okay, I, I would you agree that a lot of times in the industry as a whole, if you're getting three percent ROI, a lot of people think you're doing pretty good. But the reality is, people's probably making less than one percent. ROI return or conversion on their on their their lead flow databases, whatever you want to call it. Do you agree with that, or is that something, or are you a little bit differing in that? And I'm completely. I, that's agree. really not okay. But what do you think, Kevin? Working it like how you work it, where you're playing the long game. You're like you're probably calculating, and you know what your return on. I get a hundred leads, and this is what our return is going to be. But there's the short term return. Is how we make some money. Yep. But it's the long-term return, how we build wealth. Yes. And I'm hearing you talk about this longer term. So like if we were to scale out this and say over five years, what is your ROI? And I don't know that you know that, but I'm just yeah. trying to get perspective. Like I, I have in my mind what it is and I have some reasons why I've come, come up to, to the number, but like instead of a 1%, 2%, 3% return, what do you think the real returns are when these are worked properly thinking long-term, not just what you can convert in the next two months? So I think there's two, I would give two separate answers if I could, Greg. So one is, okay, from the aspect of my team or any other team that looks like mine, where there are more than a handful of agents who are, I'm going to say working those leads, right? And working to developing those relationships. I think that I mean, and I'm totally making this up, but it's probably, yeah. you could probably get to 10% to, to would be my guess, um, if not higher, but it's so hard to calculate the lifetime value. Man, we sold a house yesterday for a client that we sold to her in 2012. So, you know what I mean? Like, 
there's yeah. there it's so hard it's like what time frame do you want to use now where i want to go backwards and give a different answer i think that number can go significantly higher because if i'm the guy working it if i'm the guy who's following up on those leads forever and like it's just me as an example and i'm in production that number's way higher what what is the number i don't know but i'm making so much money that way it's it probably feels like cheating like i'll buy as much as you can give me as much as i can handle because yeah. i know that the follow up and follow through to establish that relationship over the first 12 to 18, maybe even 24 months. Wow, that's super vital. I know that I'm gonna win that game. And then the ability to stay in touch from years two through 10 or 20, I'm gonna win that game too. And yeah. so, especially if I'm only, and at that point, we're only talking about a couple hundred people versus, you know, tens of thousands of people like, you know, or hundreds of thousands of people like are in your database and, and the tens of thousands of my database. And so to me, there's kind of two different viewpoints on that is me yeah. as the producer and then, okay, me as the business owner, they're, those are, they're just different numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, we're I think we, um, I, I think we all need to switch for those that haven't, we need to switch from um, it's all about uh, uh, capturing leads to now it's all about creating those amazing experiences where leads want to actually do multiple channels of business with us, right? Yes. So I, I did I did back testing on 5,000 dead leads that are in my system. I did back testing and I went in and I had a, a put a, a team of callers on my leads and they had to ask the 5,000 uh, people these questions like, you know, are you still looking to purchase? Did you purchase? Um, did you ever sell a property? So all the different variations, whether they bought from us, they didn't buy from us, they they were thinking about buying, never bought, but still looking. So think about all those scenarios. And then I take out and, and then I take the scenarios that where there was either a deal was done, buyer transaction or seller transaction, or they were still looking to purchase or still thinking about listing, they're still in the game, it was 14%. So what I believe now is that there's really 14% in opportunity. Now, now this is talking about point of first purchase, not where you can take it. Yeah, See, not the lifetime value, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a whole different ball game. Doing what you're doing, you never know what that real return on your, your investment's going to be. But conversion, I say there's about 14% that's convertible. Now you and I, Brendan, we're never gonna convert 14%. We're not gonna be that perfect. For, not all of them will wanna work with us, be personality-wise, right? But I think what we all have to understand as an industry is 14% is convertible. Now stop measuring yourself that you're at two and that's pretty good because no, two is pretty far from 14. Three is really far from 14. Four is really far from 14. So there's a lot of upside by actually digging deep and optimizing our communication and our systems and the way we approach it. Well, and you know, what I see too is on the opposite end of that spectrum, most people will just quit. Like they'll be at one or 2% and they could be on their way to 14, but they just look at the, this is how much money I made in the last, in the first six months. And you know, that's the other thing too. I guess I find myself trying to talk people out of stuff a lot. Um, it, you know, when someone says to me, I want to buy this fill in the blank lead source. Right. And I, my first reaction is always great. Are you willing to do it? and not get a single deal for at least a year and still keep spending the money. Because if you're not, don't do it because you're going to quit at three yeah. months or six months. And it's going to take you at least six months to convert someone minimum, unless you get dumb luck and you can't count on dumb luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Yeah. Any yeah. thoughts on this, Brendan? Yeah, I, I go back to, I mean, in order to make this stuff work, you've got to start with the mindset that you that you brought up earlier, Kevin, which is it's the it's the lead source that everybody's working, but nobody's working right. And so <laughs> yeah. if you start that, I mean, give me your you say, give me more of them because everybody's got them. But there's very few people that are working to that level, which just means a ton of opportunity. So I love that. I think if we realize that there's going to be a point in time in our near future that new like there's no there eventually be no more new leads to buy or we just can't we can't afford it like the three of us could pool our commissions at, for every month not pay any bills except for at marketing spend we're still not going to outspend or outmarket zillows and open doors of the world and, and all the other companies right so there at a certain point I, and while i still have money absolutely going to generate a new business I've got to have a portion of that income going towards number one, of course, my clients and sphere, but number two, those, those relationships I've already paid for once. I now need to stay in front of them and nurture those because to those people, I can be everywhere and everything. I can be bigger than Zillow to them, to a small group of people. Yeah. But when you start talking about going out wide, there's going to be a point in time where we just can't, like, we just couldn't spend the money to even compete, much less turn yeah. a profit. I love how you're thinking there because, you know, the, it makes me think that some of the dollars that I'm spending on leads, I'm not only I, I, I'm I'm building an audience. Right. Yes. Like so, you know, I, I think about it. I was talking about this in a database a conversation with somebody and, you know, and I think and I say, OK, think of your database as being your audience. OK. And you're the performer. And, and, you know, you basically you get these people into your database and your database, they show up for the show and you walk up on stage, or first of all, you might have a lot of people showing up for your show and you don't show up yourself. That would be building a database. You're not communicating with it. That'd be like have selling tickets to a show. They all show up and then you don't show up on the stage. They are never going to buy another ticket. You you're done. Or you could show up on the stage and you can do a, a, a kind of half presentation. You could, you could, you know, kind of be, you know, just winging it and whatnot and do a poor job. They're probably never going to come back. But if you get up on that stage and you blow and you just do such an amazing performance where they're just like, wow. And then they're telling all their friends, oh my gosh, you've got to go check out Brendan Bain. He's unbelievable. You know, now all of a sudden they will buy a ticket every time you come to town. Yes. We've got to be looking at this database as we're building an audience. So it's part of what we're trying to say here with we're investing in leads. Yes, we're going to make a conversion and some money off the leads, but the real wealth is coming from building an audience, performing at a high level, nurturing that audience, loving on them, and then them becoming advocates. Yeah. I mean, that's where the money is. I would love, Kevin, you know, because I have a feeling that we're not even close to scratching the service on this dialogue. But I think both of us have a, a, a passion for the game of database and converting it and leads. I think we ought to do a conversation sometime, you know, whether it's Zoom call or something like that, and just do on, on all the different ways to love on that database and, uh, yeah. and really convert. I think that'd be very beneficial to the industry. 
I think that'd be so good. We could do that. In fact, I've got a, I'm pretty sure you have a Facebook group too. I've got one uh, as well called Next what Level Agents. Call? Next, Next level, level Agents. Yeah. Okay. So we've I got, think I'm on that one. I you, think I am. Uh, we've got a few, uh, I don't know, 20, 25,000 people or so in there. Uh, and then I've got a podcast as well. We can run that on and through your audience. Like, I think that would be a lot of fun because I agree with you. When you, and when you were talking, you made me think of there's an article, it, eh, essay, if you will, called "The Thousand True Fans," and you can just Google "1,000 True Fans," and it's, it has nothing to do with real estate. Uh, I want to say it was it, Kev, Kevin Kelly wrote it. I think it was Kevin Kelly, but effectively, as an artist, a performer, a business person, like the reality is, if you can create a relationship with a thousand true fans, and a true fan buys every single CD you ever release, even the live versions, the remixed versions, like that's a true, they're going to buy your t-shirt when you come to town. When you can create a thousand true fan, like the good news is in a lot of industries, you, you don't, you know, thousand true fans will make you a multimillionaire. It's, and in our industry, it will too. I mean, you don't eat most, for most of us to reach our wildest goals, we don't even need a thousand. So if we treated yeah. it like that and use that kind of mindset of a, of a, of a thousand true fans, like the sky is the limit and it doesn't matter what Zillow, what open door, what offer pad, what realtor doc, it doesn't matter what any of those companies are doing because we've got a thousand true fans and that is a moat on our business for as long as we want to have it. I, I will be reading that in the next 24 hours. I it's amazing. It's a that. pretty quick yeah. read, very short, yeah. quick read. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, and it, to put things in perspective, it's only a thousand. So it's okay if Zillow has their 10,000 or a hundred thousand yeah. or a hundred million, there's still a thousand left for us. So we got to remember that, that like make the commitment to create those thousand true fans and, 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 and have no fear that, that plenty of other people can create their 1000. There's enough to go yeah. around. There's so enough true. to go around. There really is. Uh, any final cool. questions, Brendan? No, that's really good stuff in a in a jam. I feel like this was a teaser. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or two. Could, I have a feeling we could have we could have gone on for another hour or two easily. Well, I tell you what, I would love is I, I, I only if you think it's uh, beneficial to you, but I would love to have you on Real Estate Sales Solutions and do something live about this on my Facebook page, and then yeah. if you felt it be appropriate, I would reciprocate and help you out on your Facebook page. But you're Oops. let's do that. Okay, so just to be clear, what is your Facebook page? Because I want our audience to go and visit and 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 see what you got going on. Tell us what that is again. Awesome. You can find our group. It's a, it's just a group called next level agents. Uh, and you, you can find us by searching next level agents. And, um, I think our, our actual page, if you will, is Kevin and Fred. Um, and our podcast is the Kevin and Fred show because we are very original, uh, when it comes to naming, naming things. So next level agents is the Facebook group and love to uh, run this in there. And, um, as well as that conversation. And I think it'd be a lot of fun. Great, great. And and what would be like if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, you know, what what would what's a great method of uh of of getting in touch with you? You know, the besides, easiest... besides your cell number. Yeah, <laughs> which which I what you can't even find on the MLS. Um <laughs> so kevinandfred.com and there's a contact us button that you just that literally sends me and Fred a direct email. Uh right. so kevinandfred.com or Facebook. I'm really easy to get and it's not hard to find me. It's Kevin Kaufman. So um, those would be the best ways for people to reach out. And we'd love to love to hear from agents and love helping people and sharing ideas and masterminding like this. And I just wrote down a few different things uh, while you were talking as well. So I'm, I'm excited to uh, go back in and tweak a few things. 
Yeah. Well, fantastic. All right, Brendan, I think that's a wrap. Outstanding, Kevin. Thanks for hopping on and we'll uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Take care.